I just want to um, ask for specific prayers while we take this team to Argentina. Uh, when Byron agreed with Luis to take a team from River Life down there, we didn't foresee what's really going to happen on this trip. But His Heart Missions has workers basically divided into three regions in South America. Northwestern Argentina, which is up in the Andes Mountains, in Paraguay, and then northeastern Argentina, where our missionary training school is. And in each one of those three regions, we've got real crucial strategic decisions that we have to make for where to go from here. And so we're calling in all of those missionaries, and they're coming together at the retreat weekend that we're going to do with the team from River Life, not this next Sunday, but the following one in two weeks from today. We'll be at an ex-lepers colony on an island in the middle of a river um, that they've turned into a rest resort. It's like a bed and breakfast resort. It's the only place we could get to do the conference at. And so what? we're just a bunch of ex-lepers getting in the river, you know. And what my specific prayer request is, is that the manifest presence of God would be poured out like a mighty river upon us all. Because we don't want to make decisions based in human wisdom, but we want to base what we do in the future on the revelation that comes in the midst of His manifest presence. So just pray that in everything that we do, we be saturated with the presence of God on this trip. I wanted to share this. Uh, I asked Bob Jones, I sent him an email and asked him to pray for us uh, about this trip. And he sent me an email back. First he said, this will be a blessing to our church. Then he said that the people were going, were very well prepared. They were armed and equipped to give everything that God has done in us to be able to release it down there. Amen? So, yes, that's us. So, uh, another thing I felt, I'm sorry, is this is what you have for everybody going and for anybody who ever goes anywhere, if it's just across the street, talk to your neighbor, you go as yourself who God's made you. You don't go try to be something else. You go be who you are so God can flow through you what He's put in you. And that's what the Lord was telling me this morning. As you go down there and be, be who you are, be what I created you, to, what I put in you. And the other people, who, whoever they are, they will do what they're supposed to do. But I think it's important that we all, when we do something like this, you want to see the Lord move. And the way to see Him move is, is to be who you are in Christ and let Christ be who He is in you. And there will really be a real release of the Lord. So I believe that. Some of you may think that I'm, I'm too young to go to Argentina, and I just want to share a scripture in the Bible that I memorized. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Don't keep them away. The kingdom of heaven belongs to people like them. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. What a blessing it's been to see these little ones really getting in the river and just enjoying the Lord and knowing who they are in Christ. That's powerful. 
you know, the Lord wants, he says, let the little children come. You know, the, the disciples tried to keep them away, and, and the Lord really rebuked them for that. He said, let them come. So, thank you, Lord. All righty. Uh, I was chairman of the first service. Um, first of all, Matthew Bollinger and Tony Baker were just giving me all this stuff, you know, about the services today. Like I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> And I said, man, I've been doing this forever. I did this before y'all got here, remember? <laughs> you know? But then I got here and think, oh, my gosh, all these details I haven't been having to worry about, they've been doing for me. So I do appreciate all their work. They do a lot more than you realize. They, and they're really doing more. All of them are, Marlon and Matthew and Andy and Tony. They do a tremendous thing. The Lord's done a lot in them in the last six months. He really has. And when the Lord first started moving... Uh, back, you know, we had these me- I had these meetings with them to talk to them about their roles changing, and uh, it really was a little bit bumpy there at first with them because nobody likes things to change. But I'll tell you, they've all risen to the occasion in a tremendous way. So we have some powerful um, young younger pastors in this church, and I'm really proud of them and thankful for them. Yeah, that's their answer to prayer. And so another thing I want to tell you, you know. Uh, Several years ago, probably in the 80s, Bob Jones prophesied that there would be a shot heard around the world and it would happen in Nashville, Tennessee. And that was what happened yesterday. That thing was literally shown in over 200 countries through God TV. So it was literally, that word literally came true. There was a shot. The Lord fired a shot yesterday. Uh, I would liken it to, you know, when in the Navy, when they fire a shot across the bow of the enemy ship, like, you're stopping now. And I believe, and that's what Rhonda got, is the Lord saying, no more. And we believe the Lord's going to bring revival to our country. And that yesterday was just a shot to, to let everybody know that God is fixing to do what God only can do. And, and we're going to see over the next few years, we're going to see a tremendous harvest of people come into the kingdom of God and be plucked out of the hands of hell. Isn't that wonderful? Because that's really what the Lord wants to do. So we really want to be a part of all that. And so I wanted to talk. Bunny mentioned prayer, answer to prayer. First is everybody who went to the call and has somehow made it to church this morning. I don't know how you did it. You need to be given. Raise your hand. All right, so we have a few people. Good, good. At the end of the service, you will be coming back up here, coming up here, and you will be praying for people and releasing what you got yesterday. Uh, I, Lenora prayed for, for me in the first service, and... This is crazy. I, the Lord started speaking to me yesterday in the prayer room and saying these things to me. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's pretty good, Lord. Wow, can this be true? Or is it just my mind? Lenore gets over here and starts, boom, boom, boom. Everything the Lord was saying to me yesterday, I'm thinking, she got a download. <laughs> Very prophetic. And so she has a friend here with her also. So in the rest of you, we need you up here and we want you to release what God has given you uh, and so it'll spread, and we want to just keep it spreading and keep it spreading uh, until Jesus returns, <laughs> which will, you know. Well, they'll raise their hand. They're good. They're good. But we will do that. Amen? So don't sneak out. Like, I don't like to pray for people. Don't sneak out. All right, so we're going to, what I'm going to, Bunny had mentioned answer to prayer, that God answers prayer. And so we had the, the prayer room this last week, the, and it was one of, for me personally, it was the best. Okay, of all the ones we've done, we've done this our third one, and I mean, I'm gonna tell you something. Every time I went in there, it was literally like God was sitting there waiting on me. 
It's like he was sitting, I'd go in there, and it's like, you know how it is when you pray sometimes and you feel like, is, does God really exist? <laughs> I mean, you get this thing like he's, he's far away. <laughs> There's no anointing. This is dead. This is so dead I can't stand myself, you know. And I don't really do good with those kind of prayers. But man, the Lord was just in there. And the Lord showed me this spring, an eternal spring, an old spring. And it was, it was uh, the coolest, refreshing water that God's releasing. And I literally saw like, uh, the Lord breaking, uh, it looked like boards, old boards, things that people have built around the spring, man-made things that God was knocking down to release that spring again into the earth. And I, I really believe the Lord's going to, we're going to see that. It's a refreshing that God wants to bring to people. It's the cleanest, purest water that I have ever seen. Uh, and, it was, and it's here. Uh, actually, literally, we, the real truth is we're carrying that in us. We're the carriers of it. It's, it's the king himself. And I wanted to just say that uh, to encourage you about prayer. And I believe um, the Lord really wants to, to release it. There's a, there's a release of the spirit of Elijah in the earth. Okay? In the Bible, there's three times in the Bible we know of where the spirit of Elijah gets released. One is, in, of course, Kings Elijah the prophet himself. Uh, and, and, and then there was John the Baptist who had that spirit of Elijah on us. And then the Bible prophesies at the end time this spirit will be released again. And, it, and the, to, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the father. But one thing that uh, uh, Anna Roundtree who I got to personally meet this week, which was one of the hugest blessings that I've had in a long time. And, and uh, this angel, an angel named Elijah that's with her, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is sort of a side thing. I said, so tell me about those three angels you, that you have with you. And she said, three? She laughed at me. She said, there's about 50 of them around here that she... This woman lives in another world, man. I mean, I'm telling you she does. But I really highly recommend the book, The Heavens Opened, uh, The Priestly Bride, which I haven't read yet. I'm going to read it on the plane. These are very profound books of, of seeing the Lord and seeing into the spiritual realm. Uh, and, you know, haven't, but I was, this one angel that's with her is named Elijah. This is from her book. And, uh, and this angel told her, this is what this angel was telling her, when the spirit of Elijah is released in the earth, there's going to be droughts. There's going to be extreme weather patterns. And we're seeing that in this country. There's parts of our country people are being run out of their homes in floods. And there's other parts of our country that's dried up. And people are, are, are suffering big time. Uh, so we see that happening, and people say, oh, well, that could just be natural. But I don't believe doubt. You know, that's a little doubtful believing. Let's believe what really what's really happening. Let's believe what the spirit world says. Let's believe what the Holy Spirit's doing. And there's also going to be violent confrontations. Violent, and see, we've seen the violent confrontations that are happening already in the earth. And there's going to be showdowns of power. And this is what this angel was telling her. And so we're starting to see that. And God wants to prepare the church. He wants to equip the church. That's really what He's trying to do right now is prepare us, you know, enable us for this hour we live in. You, I'll tell you, it was one of the most violent things that ever happened on the earth. Happened in, over in, in Israel when uh, Jesus was about two years old, and babies were literally slaughtered. Slaughtered. The Bible says that the, the, uh, it was like Rachel weeping for her children. There was no comfort for her. Now, that's violence. That spirit of Elijah was in the earth. 
And we see a lot of violence in our nation. Uh, so, but one of the things that you see is, and you can study Elijah the prophet, okay? You can study John the Baptist and what was happening right here. You can see that prayer is something that God is releasing now, in a, in, but it's a new type of praying. There's a shift a paradigm. Everybody knows paradigm, right? That's a new. That's an old word, but it was a new word a few years. In the 80s, it was sort of new. Everybody, paradigm, paradigm. You know, think different. Well, there's a paradigm shift in prayer. I believe God's wanting to bring the church, and so that's what I want to talk to you about just a little bit here this morning. So let's look at James 5. I'm going to read this. It says, "Confess your trespasses to one." Are y'all good? Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's what we're going to see. Effective, fervent prayer that has answers. Elijah was a man with a... Immediately, we're jumping on old Elijah. He was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he was a human being. You know... And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. That's serious. Three years and six months because of his prayer. Now, that's an answered prayer. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And that's what we're going to see. The Lord's going to cause this earth, earth to produce fruit. That's ultimately, and the fruit is the, is the people that come into the kingdom. Well, um, one of the things that the Lord really wants to do you know, when we talk about the Father's house, that really what we are earnestly desiring to become is to be the Father's house right now. Is He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That is one of the direct statements that Jesus made about the Father's house. He directly said, it shall be called a house of prayer. And God is going to raise up an anointed prayer from His house that literally can affect the climates of the world both physically and spiritually. I really believe that. Physically and spiritually. And I believe God will have the church speaking to storms eventually, and we'll see storms turn. We'll see lives turn around. We'll see droughts broken. I believe we'll see that. We're going to see it broken both in the natural and spiritual. Uh, this is what God's really wanting to do. But let's go back to verse 16. And what I want to tell you is it begins with a confession of sin to one another. Now, first, God wants the church right now to get real real with Him and get real honest with Him. Okay? We, that we need to get real real with God and get really real honest, as honest as we can. I mean gut-level honest with God. In other words, this is the best example I think. If you have a sin in your life that you pray about and you repent over and over, but really there's something in you that wants to keep doing it, Y'all know what I'm talking about? Does anybody in my hair know what I'm talking about? Y'all going to act like you don't. <laughs> you Because know? sin is, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. It does state that. Saying that to God, I know it's wrong, but I want to do it. Getting real with Him on that. God wants us to get real with Him. That's being honest with God. Not that I'm going to keep doing it, but saying to God the truth about how you feel about things. Okay, so we've got to get real with each other. But here's James saying, he's not only saying get real with God, we need to start getting real with one another. Okay, now I'm not talking about people getting up here and disclosing their dark secrets because I don't want to hear those secrets. Don't tell me, I don't want to know. Please. You don't have to tell me that. Thank you, Lord. What the church really, God's going to give you, a lot of you, the gift of forgetfulness. You know what the gift of forgiveness is when you meet with a person, you talk to them, they tell you all these awful things about them, and you forget about it. 
and they ask you about it a couple weeks later, and you literally, honestly have forgotten. Now, that's a gift. Because when you look at that person, you don't think, well, you, you know, you dark person. <laughs> you know? It's not in your mind. God has, has taken it from you. I've experienced that. I love that gift. But, uh, so one of the things in the Bible, um, in, in Noah, Noah the great man of God, got, after all the God, he got drunk. Okay? And he was thrown up on his bed naked as a jaybird. I don't know what a jaybird looks like. But one of his sons came in and seen him and then went back and in a mocking way said something to his two brothers. These brothers were men of integrity. They got the blanket and walked in backwards and covered their daddy's nakedness and not looking at him. And that's really what God's calling the church to do is to, to be a covering. For, for people who are, their nakedness, their shame, all that is exposing. God really wants to cover people. So when, when James is talking about confessing things, James understands this, this, this heart to protect and cover a person, not let a person to be humiliated and not let a person's uh, you know, integrity be, be compromised in front of other people. God wants to protect us. He don't want to expose us. He he's really doesn't want to do that. So that's one of the things we need to see. But God, see... God really wants to heal people's hearts and their minds. And that's one of the first things that's going to have to happen for you and I really to get full healing on the inside. If you've got hurts in you, if you've got disappointments in you, whatever it is in you, if you've got doubts in your mind, there's got to become some confession of those things to get rid of them. Then he goes, and then it says, pray for one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. So you see there's the combination of honesty, humility, truthfulness with God and with others, and there's this, this action of prayer which will release the healing. This is one thing the Lord told me back in May. Is he spoke to me one morning. He said, you need to learn how to use your gift. I'm thinking, what? What do you mean, Lord, learn how to use my gift? You know, I'm thinking being a pastor and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, you can always learn more stuff. But I knew the Lord really wasn't talking about it. He was talking about praying for people. And see, you know, since the Lord started moving, I have just thoroughly enjoyed the Lord. For the first time in my Christian life on a very consistent basis, I've enjoyed being in church. I've enjoyed what the God's doing. I've enjoyed doing ministry with people because the Lord's moving. It's just wonderful. It's, wonder it's the most, it's the dream that you have is to, to be involved in that. In fact, when I'm away... I feel it. I feel it. I admit that, that river that's here, that anointing that God has released to us, you feel it when you're not around for a few days. You realize it ain't over here. Literally, it really is in you. You're meant to carry it. But you know what I'm saying? You can feel it, which I think is a good sign. So I knew the Lord was saying, you don't just need to enjoy this. You do need to do it, but you've got to learn how to use this. Because this is a gift from heaven and I want you to use it, you know, to help people, to bless people, to encourage people. So I've really sort of set my mind to learning things and I've learned a few things. <laughs> I'm still learning, okay? But uh, it says... Um, it, are y'all with me on this now? It says that we would be healed. All right, now this is important, this word healed right here. This word is the same word. I want to read First uh, Peter 2.24 to you. I don't have it up there. But this is what it says. It says, He himself bore our sins in his own body 
on the tree, speaking of Christ, as you know, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That word for healing, and that word right there that Peter used in that scripture, by his stripes we were healed, is the exact same word. And that word means to be both spiritually, get this into your mind this morning, spiritually and physically healed. Peter, James is saying God wants to spiritually heal us and He wants to physically heal us. That's what it says in the Bible. That's the Bible. It's the truth. And Bob Jones talked about that. I'm bringing up what I shared last week about the, ha- the doubt that's been hacked into our minds. Okay? The doubt. The doubt. And one of the things, doubt in the finished work of the cross. You know, the cross is a finished work and we need to see in the cross, there's this spiritual and physical healing that's a done deed for us as we walk towards that, as we walk in that. Okay? Now, I wanted to get... Are y'all with me? Because I'm going to talk just a little bit about this, okay? And then I want to tell you what I really believe the paradigm shift is. But this is so cool right here. Now, you may just be humoring me on this one, but I wanted to give you some notable examples in the New Testament of that word healed there in other places. That was very notable what I just read to you. But here's some notable examples in Jesus' ministry. First one is Matthew 8, 8. I don't have any of that out there. When the centurion had a servant. Everybody remembers the old centurion servant story. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. That word. My servant will be healed. And of course he was. That's pretty good, isn't it? Matthew 15, 28 the Syrophoenician woman that had a, had a child that was demon demon possessed child, and she was begging Jesus to heal this child, and he wouldn't do it, and you know said like you know it ain't right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, and she said hey but the puppies lick the crumbs under the table, and he said this is what he said. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Mark 5.29, I encourage you, everybody, go home, read Mark 5. There were three of the greatest miracles in Mark 5 that are in the Bible. It's a powerful book. But the one I wanted to point out to you right now is the woman with the issue of blood. Remember her, the woman that snuck up behind Jesus and grabbed his garment? Everybody remembers it. I remember that. I told them earlier. The first time I ever heard that story was in Sunday school when I was a kid. I thought, that doggone woman, she went up and stole some of Jesus' power. Yeah. And poor Jesus, I was feeling sorry. He's only got us so much left. <laughs> she got some from him. He, he wasn't meant to give it to her. She took some of the gas out of his tank. I didn't really understand Jesus then. You know? But, you know, it says when she grabbed him, at she, Mark five twenty nine. immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. That's powerful. Uh, Luke nine forty two. Ten lepers... Ten lepers met Jesus. Uh, no, 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 no. Luke 9.42 is when Jesus, uh, the Father, you know, the disciples were up there on the mountain. They came down. There was this Father. There was a big commotion. The disciples tried to cast this demon out of this epileptic boy. They couldn't. Everybody was going berserk. Uh, you know, and Jesus said prayer and fasting. Everybody likes that one. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child. Same word, and gave him back to his father. These are powerful words in the Bible. And then the, 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 leper, the ten lepers, 
Oh, I like that. <laughs> a former leper colony. Isn't it great? Former lepers. Thank you, Lord. But anyways, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. All right, and the, the last example I want to give you was Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. You know, God really is wanting... The paradigm shift that we're going to see is God wants to heal people's hearts and minds and their bodies. And we have lived in a church world that we are loaded. This doubt really has been hacked into us where we doubt this thing called physical healing. We have somewhat of a grip more and more on the inner healing thing where we see a person who has a lot of hurt in their life and a lot of negative things in them that God can really... We've seen that over and over. And we can see the wisdom of God doing that to get people to a place, get their minds healed... Because if your mind is not healed, you, you're going to have some difficulties with this. But let's turn to Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Everybody knows this. Are y'all good today? Are y'all just messed up and mad and wishing you didn't want and hear and this? And <laughs> All right, everybody knows this. This is a great verse in the Bible, a great two verses, of course. In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's good, isn't it? Good. See, that's a great prayer. Great job. All right, so here, all right, now this is the paradigm shift I'm talking about. Now get this, okay, and listen to what I'm saying to you about prayer. Prayer is not a means by which we get something for ourselves, okay, but rather a means of helping God get something for Himself. Okay. Prayer is not a means by which we get something for ourselves, but rather a means of helping God get something for Himself. God has something He wants. He just described it right there. He wants His kingdom to come on the earth. Now, I want to talk to you about helping God just because your religious mind went to work, okay, which I bet your religious mind did because we're all influenced by old bad religious spirits that tell us stuff. One time I did this message on, on, about angels, and I knew it. I knew somebody's going to come in here and say, well, you know you shouldn't worship angels. <laughs> I'm not talking about worship angels. I'm just talking about what's in the Bible about them. <laughs> I told them that too. <laughs> so take the gospel of the, the revelation and throw it out. Because if you read about all these angels and angelic visitation, you have to erase a lot of stuff in the Bible, which that would be a big mistake for you to do that. Because it says you will have curses if you take away from what's in there. Ooh. Anyways, what it is, this is the way I can best describe it. And I may be wrong on this, but... You know, have you ever changed the oil in your car and your little boy wanted to go out there and help you? I mean, I'm talking to a three-year-old boy. Daddy, can I help you? Oh, yeah. Help me. Help me. What do they do? They sort of make a mess, right? But you see, God loves us. He wants us to adjoin Him in His work. And it's probably like this in heaven. Dang on Byron is down there making a mess. <laughs> but I love Him working with me. I love Him helping me. And I'm going to go clean up the mess behind Him because I enjoy being with Him. So I want Him to help me. That's what Jesus was saying. God wants us to be involved in His kingdom work. 
And it doesn't matter if we're a bunch of kids running into walls, spilling stuff, throwing crackers everywhere. You know, he don't care. He loves it. We may look good like we're doing something big on the outside, but really it may not be. But that's really what God wants. God wants to enjoin people in with his work of the kingdom of heaven and to release it into the earth. Now let me read this verse in Luke 17 just so you'll know what I'm saying to you. Okay? Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Although there will be observations. It just doesn't come by the observation. It doesn't come by the outward. That's what he's saying. He didn't say there's not going to be an outward. He just says that's not the way you get it. Okay? Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Now that's what Jesus is saying. That kingdom that you're asking to get released, guess where you're asking to get it released from? In here. Because it's in there. So when we pray, Lord, kingdom come on earth, God is saying, yeah, you've got it in you. Now, this is the wisdom of God. God goes after the hurts, the disappointments, the doubt, the unbelief that's in us because when that stuff is in us, you can't see the kingdom in you. If you're doubting healing, you're not seeing the kingdom because when you see the kingdom, you're going to say, well, obviously nobody's going to be sick in God's world. Because sickness comes from the devil. Are y'all with me on this? Are you sure? Because God wants us to see the kingdom inside of us and know that we're carrying something in us that's big. And He wants us to know that He wants that thing to be released in and through us both consciously and unconsciously. In other words, whoever we're around, we may have a conscious thing we're going to do, or we may have an unconscious thing. In other words, we're just there. We're not doing nothing. God's not telling us to particularly do a thing, but the people around us could be affected because the kingdom's inside of us, and it's operational. Are y'all with that? Is that not what the Bible really teaches us that God wants for us? Us to be carriers of this kingdom and take this kingdom wherever we go and spread it and, we, and so God began to work on people's minds. God has begun to work on people's hearts in this church, and I believe in other places. Going after that doubt that's been hacked into us. Just going after it. I mean, tooth and nail. Pray for the minds to get healed, because the minds are full of strongholds of Satan. That's what the Bible says. They're in our minds. Lies, deceit, bad doctrine we thought was right. It turned out it was wrong. Let's get it out of there. Take every thought captive. You know, thoughts that come in there, whoa, that thought don't belong in mine. It's not my thought. Out you go. It's really remarkable, but you see the wisdom of God in it, both being healed spiritually and physically, how God wants to establish a healthy people so they can see this kingdom in them. And once they see this kingdom in them, they see the potential of this kingdom and what this kingdom can do for other people. And then he says, learn how to use it. That's your gift. Your gift is the kingdom of heaven that's in you. Learn how to function with that kingdom. Let that kingdom flow out of you. Use that kingdom for, for His glory. And He, he will show you. Uh, and, and so we see that's why the devil fights us so hard in the realm of our mind and our heart. He'll fight you tooth and nail over it. He will sling every bad thing in the world at you. And when people stumble and mess up, they just get under, you know, get under this condemnation and judgment. And the Lord said, no, that is not. 
Well, that's not. That's going to keep you from seeing the kingdom. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? This is the paradigm shift that God wants. You, it's not just about praying and seeing people healed. It's about seeing God's kingdom come and His will be done as Christ commanded us to see it happen. Now, this is the truth. We've got to get this revelation. Anyway, this is great prayer. Uh, I wanted to give you some practical stuff. Are y'all all right? Luke 18. I wanted to read this. These are three practical points in this, you know, because people love practical points. And I, I honestly like practical points, too. So this is Jesus speaking a parable about prayer. Okay? This is Jesus saying this. Now, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was a certain, in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God... Avenge his own elect who, this is us, right? We're the elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now that was Jesus' little teaching on prayer, a little parable to try to reveal something to us. And, you know, it's for us. Um, and hidden from people who can't hear. But the first thing, back at, go back to verse 1. It says uh, about persistence. Men always ought to pray. Now that's what Jesus said. Men always ought to pray. So God really wants to release this persistence in us about prayer. Well, we don't just, you know, quit. And the Lord, this is what the Lord told me about some things in my life, okay, that I've been praying about that I just gave up. Anybody gave up on some stuff they was praying about? And this is what he said to you, Byron, you're an incomplete person because you did not continue with this. You did not continue to see the answer. And one thing he said, and because you didn't continue to see the answer, I gave the answer, and you missed the answer because it wasn't coming the way you thought. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? There's a persistence that God wants to give us as a church now where we, I tell you, we can say this, and listen, we're tired of this. The church could say about abortion, we're going to fight through this thing. We're, you know, instead of just, well, it's just the way it is. It's the way it's always been. Everybody's been arrested, and you know, everybody's prayed every prayer. People stuck the tape over their lips, and, you know, and God didn't do anything about that. Why is he going to do anything? Well, that's ridiculous. He says, keep praying. We've we, we got to get this anointing of persistency, being persistent uh, in our hearts. And I think that's what one of the things that, that God wants to do. If you remember back in 1 Kings 18, Elijah, you know, talked about him praying and it didn't rain for three and a half years and then he prayed and it rained like, well, that just happened. Guess what happened to Elijah when he was praying that prayer? He first of all said this, by faith, oh, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And it wasn't raining because he started praying and he sent his servant, go out there and see if there's any rain. He said, uh-uh, nothing. It's clear as a bell. It's blue skies. It's wonderful, you know. There was no sound of rain in the natural. There wasn't even a cloud in the sky. So Elijah prayed some more, and he sent the servant. He did it seven times. 
Okay, seven times. See, what's the same? We prayed three times and the Lord didn't do it. Oh, I guess it wasn't the Lord. <laughs> but then on the seventh time, the guy came back and said, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah jumped up and told everybody, get going because this rain's coming. You've got to move on. You know, he saw it. This man was, this is the spirit of Elijah that was operating on him. So God's asking us for some persistence. And so your experience may be this this morning. You have prayed for things that didn't happen. You prayed for your kids. And they got messed up. You pray for somebody sick and they die. Who hey, man, anybody had that experience? You really pray for somebody sick and they just flat died on you. I mean, we pray for this one, our neighbor, you know, like there was no end and she died. You know what her husband said to me the night she died? Hey, Byron, your prayers were answered. She's in heaven. I thought, some comfort, you know. That's what I thought. I mean, I'm glad she's in heaven, but we were really asking God to raise her up. So we build our... See, that's how doubt gets in your mind. You see that? Because the Bible says something different than that. And like one someone said recently, I can't remember who it was, said, I'm not going to allow my experience to try to, I'm not going to pull the Word of God down to my experience level. We need to rise up to the Word. So that's one thing, is being persistent. All right, the next thing, he says, uh, men uh, always ought to pray and not lose heart. Now these are tied together, I realize that, but lose heart. And what he's talking about there is hope. Not lose hope. Because when you lose hope on something, you're done. Now, the Bible says if you don't have hope, your faith is worth. You can have all the faith in the world, but if there's no hope there, because faith is the substance of hope. You gotta, there's got to be a, a renewed hope in God. And in the Bible, hope means joyful expectation. That's what hope means in the Bible. It don't mean hope like, well, I hope, I hope it rains tomorrow. <laughs> you know? That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is joyful expectation. So think about the stuff you're praying for and asking the Lord right now. Do you have that joyful expectation, believing that God's going to really do it? That can be difficult, but that's what Jesus said, joyful expectation. You see, this is the paradigm shift, praying the way he said we should pray instead of the way we think we should pray and the way our circumstances tell us to pray. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." That's what's wrong wrong with some of us in the room. You've had unanswered prayer, and your heart's sick. Over and God wants to make your heart well. That's being healed spiritually, because because of your prayers not being answered. And I know I've I've been through some of that. Um, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. And that's what we're going for—the tree of life. All right, listen to this. This is what David did. King David, Psalm 62, verse 5. Speaking to himself, Soul, wait patiently for God alone. He spoke that to himself. Sometimes we just have to tell ourselves some stuff. Be quiet. Shut up. It's not going to, the world's not going to come apart. You start talking, however, you, you may not say shut up to yourself. I do. <laughs> I can tell myself that. I may not can tell you, but I can tell myself that. Be quiet, Byron. So you need to be quiet and you need to knock off all this just negative feelings you've got. Okay? Wait silently for the Lord alone for my expectation. That's where it comes from. It's from God. That's what He said. So if you don't have hope this morning, if you, you can ask the Lord, Lord, I don't have hope. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give, that's Psalm 62. Psalm 65, a couple, couple Psalms later, he says this about the Lord. Lord, you hear prayer. And all flesh will come to you. 
That's what Psalm 65 verse 2 says. All flesh will wind up coming to you because they know you hear prayer. And then he goes on to say, and you answer prayer. You answer prayer. So he went from having to calm himself down, get his soul aright, being quiet and trusting God, believing God, knowing God's going to answer to God answered the prayer. God's going to answer some prayers for the church. He's releasing his prayers and he's going to answer some prayers. Are y'all with me? Y'all got me. All right, I know you're tired of me. Number three is, is about faith. Jesus said, go down to the very end of that one, Brian, the last, last verse there, verse 8. I want to read it to you. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find it? Now, see, that's the other thing. So there's three things that Jesus taught. It's number one is being persistent. Number two is having hope, have a, have a joyful expectation which the Lord will give you if you don't have it this morning. And the last thing is faith. Okay? Is, is this, Jesus was tied this whole thing about prayer, faith, that God is going to do. God's going to answer our prayers. And we can pray some prayers. And, and, and I think that was a good prayer that Rhonda got. No more. The Lord said no more. We're tired. He's, he, the Lord's been pushed. Hey, you ever did something really stupid when you was a kid and there was this guy, you pushed him too far? You know? I keep telling everybody about my friend. I had a friend named Roger Wilson growing up. Roger Wilson was this guy. He was a pretty, pretty stout guy, really. I mean, his arms were that, that big around in the sixth grade. Okay? And Roger didn't matter. He was a great guy. He was so good-hearted, so tender-hearted. But one day, Wayne Chavis, which is another friend of mine, and Wayne was, was just a redneck. Okay, that's all Wayne was. Wayne decides to start a fight with Roger. And Wayne spends the whole recess time talking trash to Roger, trying to get Roger to fight him. And we were, you know, how boys are. They were, you know, back in the day. I don't know how they do it now, but we were all standing around waiting for this big fight to start. Okay? All, and, and, of course, Roger wouldn't do nothing. He just wasn't his nature to fight. He was not that kind of person. And Wayne, you know, was just strutting around being Mr. Bad because he knew Roger wouldn't fight. But then all that time I saw this little tear trickled down Roger's face. And I thought, Wayne's dead. <laughs> and Roger just, wham, wham. I mean, decked Wayne. I mean, Wayne was done. <laughs> Wayne gets the ground. The bell rings. Wayne jumps up. Why the bell's ringing? we got to go back inside. <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's what, <laughs> yeah, saved by the that's what Rhonda was feeling. The Lord said, Y'all do it now! I'm tired of this! <laughs> He's going to roar against His enemies. Yeah. And He wants to use the church to roar. He really does. And so we want to see God begin to do more of the inner, the spiritual healing, fixing people's minds, fixing their hearts. And we're going to see God heal a lot of people. But you know what? This is the thing. The healing... As wonderful as it is, that's not the point. The point is Jesus Christ and His kingdom. And here we use those things to do what we sang this morning. How glorious you are, how, you know, wonderful, how famous, whatever those words we were using. You hear what I'm saying? That's what God wants to do. He wants to elevate His name. He wants to elevate His glory in the earth. And He's going to do what belongs to us. Amen? Amen. So, Rhonda... Rhonda, Rhonda's, a, Rhonda's like a Pentecostal preacher, isn't she? 
Rhonda's great. We love Rhonda. They get me on. Um, I really feel like today, if you've been struggling with doubt, and we all do at times, and some of you may be going through more of that right now than others, but I think that's a big one, doubt, and it, or if you're weary, if you've been standing in the gap and praying and waiting and waiting and waiting, I really feel like the Lord wants to impart something to you today. Uh, and I really want the ones that went to the call to come up to lay hands on, okay? I want the ones that went to the call and some of the prayer team to come up here um, and pray about this. And I really, and anybody that wants a release given to you today for a, to be able to release the kingdom of God or to be able to see the kingdom of God, to see into the kingdom of God, or if you need a hope or a joyful expectation, I want you to come up here for prayer, okay? And uh, that's what we're going to do now. We're going to spend some time praying and, and getting into finding the kingdom of, of the Lord and going after it. That's really what we've been doing here for the last six, eight months is we're going after the kingdom of God. And um, I know when it, it started moving, when the Lord started moving and really a different thing, and I felt like I knew it was the Lord, but it's like, Lord, what, do you, what am I supposed to do in this? And it, the Lord gave me a choice. He said, but what he wanted me to do was press into it. I had a choice to press into it or not. So today I'm, I'm going to encourage you to choose to press in, to come up, to receive what the Lord has for you today. Yeah, anybody who went to the call, come up. We want you to lay hands. Come on up. You know, you received an impartation whether you felt it or not. The Lord will give you. He'll release what you need to pray for.